Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 136 of Smart Enough to Know Better. Guess what? We're a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Waugh. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better... I'm going to point out when mammals became moonage daydreamers. And uh-oh, I'll catch my death. And finally, why do people prefer diamond dogs? But, guys, it's like... it's. Uh... Do people actually like hearing the sizzle? Because we are getting more and more esoteric with each one. It's just like, oh, we don't know what we're going to listen to. Like, the idea is we're supposed to sizzle what they're going to listen to. They've got no idea. They're basically being given a, a sphinx's riddle. That's right. And even more so than this time, because I was being naturally esoteric. Hopefully the listeners will be able to understand exactly what I was trying to say by saying, moon is daydreamer and diamond dogs. Oh, God. All right. They're, I mean, they don't. Let's just agree that they don't. <laughs> I bet uh, they do. And they're sitting there listening, going, if you would stop talking and just get to them, we can find out what they are. <laughs> this sizzle's really sizzling now. <laughs> sizzle, sizzle, bacon, bacon. Sizzle is curdling. The... <laughs> but before we get to any of this stuff. Oh, my goodness. How is yes. your week in science? My week in science? Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. Moon is Daydreamer and of Diamond Dogs. I'm talking about David Bowie here. And of course, as everyone probably knows, Elon Musk put the uh, Falcon Heavy rocket into maybe orbit. Maybe everyone doesn't know this. Oh, maybe they don't. Starman. That's right. He called it basically the Starman and uh, played well, hang on, space. No, 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 no. Hang on. What, I'm trying to give you the – maybe you should fill people in on exactly what happened. That's about that. Basically, that's what I was trying to do. Then you stopped me. Ah, no, you anyway. started at the end. But... No, I didn't. I started. I started a quarter of the way in to suck them in. Now I'm just going to start. It's all part of the plan. How much f***ing sugar have you had today? <laughs> Not enough, maybe. I haven't gone through the golden thousand cup yet. Anyway, the point of this <laughs> is Elon Musk was testing the Falcon Heavy rocket. And he managed to garner a lot of attention for this because not only did the two boosters land almost simultaneously, so they fly up, they turn around, and they sort of land again all by themselves. The core didn't. They crashed into the ocean at 300 kilometers an were hour. Those, were they supposed to land at exactly the same time? Or was that just, pretty a, much, yes. just a light? Yeah, thing? yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that okay. was, yeah. That was, yeah. When I read about it, for this, those who don't know, if you, there's beautiful footage of these two boosters coming down almost like, synchronized swimmers perfectly they switched off their radar so they wouldn't interfere with each other so they were dead reckoning at that point they were just saying go to this point and land don't don't try and work out what's on the ground like if it's wrong it's wrong because they worried that the radar would actually interfere with each other but it didn't it's perfect you get amazing footage of these two boosters coming down beautifully you don't see the footage of the core crashing because that's a bit sad but the core exploded but i think what got more attention than the synchronized bits was the fact the ballast the test payload was Elon concrete, Musk's concrete, big yeah, chunks always, of concrete, aren't they? But yeah, there's normally big chunks of concrete, or sometimes SpaceX has put up wheels of cheese because you need to have a weight in it. It carries, you can carry for 64 tons of mass into orbit. So this time he went, I'm going to put my Roadster up there, his Tesla Roadster, his very expensive automobile into space. Well, was it very expensive to him? Because he would have got it for cost, you would have thought. But yes, I guess yeah, it's still a quarter of a million dollar automobile. Oh, yeah, but it's it'll be what, 60 bucks worth of metal? <laughs> Most of it plastic, so yeah, I guess so. The batteries would be expensive. But yeah, it's look, for you and me and every other normal person, it's it's about a quarter of a million dollars for this, this vehicle. And it was one of the first ones. Would he so... have stripped it down? 
Because if it were me, I w it would have been a shell. I would have ripped the engine out and the battery and all the expensive gear. We'll put the link to the video there from SpaceX. So this was in orbit. It's heading out into a trans-Mars orbit. It's basically going to zoom out to as far as Mars. It's actually a little bit further now because there was too much power from the engines. It'll go out into the asteroid belt and then come back and heliocentric around the sun once every two and a half years, roughly. So it's, it's a proof of concept uh, that you can do this thing quite easily. It doesn't take a lot of energy. There are three cameras on it. One on the bonnet, one out the side of the driver's side, and one on the, the one behind the uh, over one the shoulder the driver yeah over his shoulder and it lasted for a couple of hours about the five driver. hours and, yes well the star man that was called star man which uh, I laugh because someone said has anyone seen Jeff Bezos this could be the perfect murder they could have just stuck someone inside that suit and we'll never get him back but it was a it was a SpaceX spacesuit that they were testing. When I say testing, not really testing, just putting it in space. We don't know how well it worked because Every time they asked Elon Musk, so what sensors have you got on this car? And he'd go, none, it's my car. And they'd go, oh, so what um, So what preparations have you done for this this car? None, it's my car. Have you done anything to it? Well, we, we dropped the top back a bit so that there was a convertible. <laughs> so, so Starman and, had a better view. Is, if he was getting rid of a body, like that would explain why all the way through he's like, oh, and if, it, if it explodes, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> That's right. Either, either the, video... the guy's incinerated or cast into the void. <laughs> either way, it's all fine. So you've got Starman, the the, 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 um, the spacesuit, sort of looks like he's cruising. He's got his elbow out the side of the car. He's got his hand on the on the wheel, or she, it. It's a spacesuit. It's genderless. And uh, it's cruising through space. And you can watch some of the best footage. It was transmitting for about 12 hours, and there are four really good hours of, of it just tumbling through space. These beautiful shots of planet Earth going past this beautiful car. I've been looking into it. It looks it, so fake. It looked so fake. It really did, yeah. As Elon Musk said, if we were going to fake it, we could fake it better than this because they were just low-resolution cameras and all the rest. There's more to it than just the low-res cameras. The, the nature of light outside of the atmosphere is very different, and so it ends up being very... It, it almost looks like it's been bleached. It doesn't get scattered. Uh, you don't realise it because you're, you're saying, oh, when I look outside my window, I'm just seeing unfiltered light. Well, of course not, because you're swimming in an ocean of air and you know lots and lots of nitrogen and, and a little bit of, well, 20% oxygen, a little bit of carbon dioxide. Too much carbon dioxide, but that's a story for another time. So it's like a fire hose of photons rather than a pool of photons. Well, what's happening is they're being scattered all over the place. And so we don't realise they're being scattered because we're used to it every day of our life. But we get the blue sky from that, Rayleigh scattering and all the rest. But also, you are getting a blurring effect from the atmosphere, and you don't notice it until you put something in space and you get the crystal clear. A photon has bounced off that car directly into your eye, and you get this perfect crisp image, which your brain goes, fake, fake. <laughs> it doesn't look right because we didn't evolve to look at things in space. But this roadster going up there, of course, those who love a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy probably already know this. On the front, on the, on the uh, dashboard, there's Don't Panic, which, of course, from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. On the computerised screen that yes, is yes, usually and, and used well, for maps, but not that helpful. <laughs> not so much this time. Uh, it knows where it's going. Uh, relativity will, will keep it going where it needs to go. Uh, but in the glove box, it had a copy of Hitchhiker's and a towel. But, you know, so they always know where the towel is. But the thing I found really interesting is not just that stuff, though that's pretty cool. Oh, by the way, it's cruising at about... 12,908 kilometers per hour. That's its cruising speed through space. Now, the thing, the thing uh, I found interesting inside the, the Roadster, there's also something called the Ark. Well, before we get to that, before we get to that, oh, yes. so I, I saw someone post and they said, oh, well, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's going to, like, that book is now going to last longer than any book on planet Earth. <clears throat> like, it's going to be amazing. And then someone said, yeah, there's a lot of radiation in space. 
and mm. the book will last a long time, but the text may not. I don't think the book will either. Anything carbon-based will come apart relatively quickly. Even things like when the upholstery, the, the, the leather seating will die, the radiation will tear it apart, ultraviolet will tear it apart. The Even the carbon fibre it's made out of, that'll come apart very quickly. In the end, and micrometeorites will smash into it and the glass will shatter because of that. You'll lose the paint in about a year, I'd say, a year or two, the paint will just be gone. For those who don't realise, when humans first went to the moon, we put a, a flag on the moon, American flag. That's now bleached white, totally bleach white it would look like we're surrendering to the moon basically so america came and surrendered to the moon we give up moon you're way too powerful for us that's why uh, the moon so... men never came for us that's they're like right. oh look sarah the giant moon spiders from doctor who went Arr! oh they're surrendering hooray we oh, win god. Back oh, don't remind me of that episode that was like <laughs> oh god <laughs> it's all right it's all fine they're all good all right they let's get, get back it. on track so the, the it won't last very long. Arc? In the end, well, in the end, it will. The, this car will just be the inert metal bits, and maybe the glass. If the glass doesn't uh, shatter, if something doesn't hit it, the chances of anything shattering is actually quite small. I laughed today. I was talking to my father. He, he was very excited by this stuff. He's like seventy six, and he was talking about. This Elon thing, tell me about this Elon, what he'd done. I was having a lot of fun listening to someone else's point of view on it, like from not not a science kind of person's point of view. Uh, yep. And then suddenly, because he was like, oh, people are really worried that it's gone to the asteroid belt. But I realized that they were just being silly because, and he breaks into song and he went, the chances of asteroids hitting this car are a million to one, he said. That's and a went, good that's gag. Really- that's, a That's good actually gag. a good gag. That's a good gag from someone who knows Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. But yeah, yeah. I was quite. I laughed for a while. Anyway, it's true. You're not. not it's not going to hit a thing. But if it does, then yeah, it'll fall apart. Anyway, inside the glove box, there's something called the Ark. And the Ark is, it is the reactor. It's not the reactor. Yeah, they've just he killed Tony Stark finally. Who got rid of him? Because he's. Let's face it. You watch those movies. Tony Stark's an idiot. There's a basically a laser nanostructure of quartz silicate glass, and this is a what they're calling a 5D storage container that can contain about 300 terabytes of information. The Arc Mission Foundation want to create a way of storing information forever. And this is, this would last billions of years, they're saying, 14 billion years, theoretically, at least billions of years floating around through space. And what they put on it was Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy, so which is all about long-term survival of human race kind of stuff, which is kind of quite clever. So not only will – I think hitchhikers will die quite quickly because it's paper and it's carbon, mm-hmm. but this should last – for longer than humanity will last. Now, this was just a proof of concept. This wasn't a. This wasn't a, what they actually went to set. They just it wanted is, to make sure it is, that it worked. It is lost forever, though. What do you mean? Well, it's. I mean, it's in space now. Like space yes. is real big. Like I'm sure that that was pointed out in a particular book that we've just been discussing. <laughs> like, but we know exactly where it is. Do we? We, we can pinpoint. So it. So we'll we be able to spot it. What whiz by in two years? Um, if I we're think close enough. The, the next time it comes super close to Earth, and I met Walk of Shame maybe, but it's 2030 I was reading somewhere. So Earth and the and the orbit of this car will be coming close-ish. Close-ish as in within, within the moon and Earth, I think, about 2030. This is the good thing about these orbits. Unless they get perturbed, we know them very, very well. Like we can calculate it very – longer you can observe it. You can start calculating the orbits. Thanks to Kepler, we, we can calculate these orbits very, very well. We'll know where it is for a very long time. Unless I wonder it gets if it'll keep course. going forwards the entire time. Because it's run out I of boost now, hasn't it? It's tumbling. It's definitely tumbling. When you see the video... That well, it, the, that, the, the, the video is, is it spiralling? 
it's only rotating on one axis. So it, it had been stabilized. It wasn't just madly tumbling. It had been stabilized slightly. But it, it, so was, it, was, it was basically spinning like a drill bit. I think it's going along its along its long axis i think it's spinning good good podcasting information i'm waving my hands around like an idiot it's going it's yawing basically through space i think for that video anyway but i'm not sure i don't think it is i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's rolling through space i think it's yawing i think i'm pretty sure it's just barrel rolling out to the out to mars oh okay it's, it's hard to spot on the video because the car is at a weird angle that's probably, but it, yeah, would, that's it would have to be because if they were shooting out to Mars, the rocket is going to be pointing them in. Like if it was spinning on any other axis, then the rocket it would just be flying in like around like a wasp. No, no, no. I don't think there's a rocket attached. You, you got the idea? There's a car and there's a rocket attached to the bottom of it. Yeah, that was the. It's the payload. So the payload came away from the second stage, I do believe, and 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 went off into space by itself. But it, it had. So to, it was, but it had another burn after that. It was in. It a- was. It was accelerated into space. It doesn't have a rocket attached to the bottom of it. To the car. Yeah, it does. Yes. That, how do you think, think got it got out of orbit and off to Mars? It's the whole point of a payload. You're not going to... Once again, maybe I'm wrong here, but the rocket was there to boost it, but once it was going, you don't particularly attach a rocket to... You don't leave it attached. Like, you wouldn't leave a rocket attached to the bottom of a satellite when you're moving into orbit. You boost it up, and then that's it. It doesn't need to stay there. You detach. Hang on. So send, what we're saying is... send on its way. There's, there's two rockets that jump off it almost immediately. They're the booster rockets. Yes, and they and came the back and landed, well, and then the core got it up into orbit, and then dropped back down to Earth and accidentally hit the ocean at three hundred miles per hour. There's another one as well. There's another there's one, a, which there's a stage. I think you'll find once again. I should. I should. I'm not. It's not my area of expertise. The core and the two boosters get it up out of the the atmosphere, basically, mm-hmm. and then there's another stage which fires it into the trans Mars orbit, insertion yeah. orbit. So, and it would. So that's a separate off. thing. So, yeah. But it, it would just be floating around in space too. It would just be yeah. two things floating around in space rather than just one. Why would they make uh, the thing that yes, popped I, them apart? I guess so. Yes. Yeah, because they're not going to try and retrieve it, yes. But I don't think there's a great big rocket attached to the bottom of the car. Maybe there is. Now I think about it, I'm not sure. But let's look into it. Woohoo! Hey, it's me, Dan. I'm just doing the editing. Greg was very excited to contact me and say, yep, the car is definitely still attached to a rocket. And so basically it's a rocket-propelled car flying through space, and that means that everyone wins. Cool, back to the podcast. Actually, now that I think about it, that's misleading because the rocket stopped working after a couple of hours, and now it's still a car attached to a rocket, but the rocket's not propelling it. So, yeah. Okay, now definitely back to the podcast. This arc thing will last a long period of time, but it's really a big idea. It's not just storing information. It's basically sending into space, so if anything happens to humanity... It'll be saved, which you like. But if something happens to humanity, who's going to read it? And more to the point, if the if we lose our technology and all the knowledge in space, it's kind of useless because yeah, like, we have to learn to get the space before we can use the knowledge. And the, like the bat people would have to find it up there, and it's tiny, and it's like surrounded yeah. by a whole bunch of other stuff, which is really not very useful. And it's definitely these. So when I looked into this, what they want to do is they want to actually have these arcs. They want to have a moon arc and they want to have a Mars arc. Send them to the moon, send them to Mars and have all of human knowledge. And then in the end, here's the really, really crazy idea. They're going to set up a system so these things can talk to each other. So they can actually transfer all the information. When one is updated, they're all updated as nodes, which will basically make it an inter-solar system internet, hmm. middly working only at the speed of light. I don't know. Crazy. You want that thing to be read-only. 
because someone is going to accidentally wipe something otherwise. <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah, but maybe it is. Maybe it would be read-only. Maybe you're right. But I, I like the big idea of going, all right, we'll have all this information here out in space. If we lose some of it on one planet, we'll get it other places. But people go, what was the point of sending a car into space? But beyond making people excited by it and proving that this trans-Mars orbit thing is works really well and you can actually do it, there's all these other little crazy things going on inside, like this arc storage thing. So that was my science week. I was pretty excited by that. I was excited that it was so popular as well, that many people around the world were excited as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's the point of sticking a car on the front rather than a bunch of concrete is that it makes people excited. Exactly right. And I think that's super important. Super, super, super important. Because eventually someone who's excited by that car going up is going to end up building something that's much more useful. Yeah, exactly right. And look, it's not the first time we've sent a car into space. Is it? No, there was one that ran around on the moon for a while. Oh, that's not really. Yeah, there's lunar rovers. This is the, the second crewed vehicle ever sent into space and then derelict or flotsam, jetsam, I don't know what you'd call it, thrown overboard. So we, we sent off the Apollo 10. The lunar module for Apollo 10 was left in space. And now this is the second one. Now, this admittedly, this isn't a space vehicle that was crewed, but it was a crewed vehicle, if that makes sense. So it's the second one we've ever done and the first car we've sent in space, actual car not Mm. just a rover. That we know about. That we know about, yes. Unless aliens have taken things or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Uh, SpaceX actually retains legal right to that vehicle in perpetuity, as I understand it, because of some space treaty. Anything that you send up is yours. Interesting. I have to look into that. Is that that how it works? Because I know no country can own any part of space, but corporations, I'm not terribly sure. I don't know how the rules work on that. Mm. It's a a grey area. And and isn't it uh, that they're not allowed to own anything that's already in space but if you put something in space like if the u.s sends up a rocket and Mm. then you go and get it and bring it back you're like this is mine now (laughs) like they'll be like um no it's got our flag on the side it's like no i don't think it does i think it's got a picture of my face on the side now my friends (laughs) i think yeah once again the person with the most weapons makes the rule a lot of the time. <laughs> so, you know, if, if Dan Beeson Industries goes up and goes and grabs the lunar rover on moon, on the moon and brings it back, the first one that they took to the moon, and you decide to keep it in your back garden, I'm pretty certain America would have a word with you. But I don't know legally where you stand on that. I'm not too sure. Hmm. Well, in my week in science... <laughs> I saw some seagulls. Oh, lovely. Well, saw some seagulls. They tried to steal my fish and chips when I was at the beach. <laughs> Little bastards. <laughs> Rats of the beach. They are, yeah. They could be a real problem. There's a town in Australia called Dandenong. You can now be fined quite badly for feeding the seagulls or leaving garbage out that they can get to. I see. Because there are a lot of them. They have an infestation Mm. of these beautiful, beautiful animals. (laughs) They smell bad and they leave a mess. And part of their mess is their poop, which is gross. Guano? Guano is worth millions. Ah, not when when it lands on your metal roof and halves (laughs) its lifespan. Because it's quite caustic. There are a whole bunch of interesting deterrents to get rid of these seagulls, though. A lot of people <laughs> might have seen these at shoot, cafes. Get out of it! Get out of it, you that, bastards! Bro. That'll work temporarily. Uh, good, good. Get one of those inflatable arm flailing guys. I have a job for life. Excellent. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, sure. And, but yeah, you may have seen them at cafes. They have like little spikes that stick on the top of mm. things to keep the pigeons away. But yep. there are all sorts of like, there are bigger spikes, there are sprays, there's electrified tape. With the spikes thing, I saw a great picture online of a pigeon that wasn't giving up and it, it had built a nest on top of a sign. So they put spikes on top of the sign. So the pigeon came back and went, oh, this is great, and built a nest 
in the spikes. <laughs> so that so it was like, and it was like it had a bigger nest. And then they went, oh, bigger spikes. And it went, this is even better. I made even bigger nest. And they're like, stop making bigger spikes. It's not working. <laughs> it's just using it as, as as the steel beams that hold its whole pigeon skyscraper in in place. <laughs> <laughs> There's spinning mirrors because they don't like to look oh. at themselves, I guess. Yes, yeah, right. They know what they did. There are these things called daddy long legs, and it looks like a giant like mechanical daddy long legs. So oh. it, it just sits there, but it's like these great big wires that all come out from the center, and the birds don't like to be around them. They're like, oh, but why, why would they? Greg doesn't like to be around them either. I don't want to be around That sounds awful. They're like, take hey, me to the pigeons. Here's a big mechanical spider. <laughs> what is this, Wild Wild West? Everyone hates that movie. But my favorite one to keep the birds away is a fake inflatable crocodile head with mirrored <laughs> eyes and you stick it in the pool and it just sort of floats around like there's a crocodile under it and they hate that where i live i started growing lots of flowers on my veranda and i put windowsill boxes up and put some plants in seedlings in and it lasts about a week and i came back and the corellas had ripped out every plant thrown them on the ground, ripped the plants to pieces, ate everything, destroyed the whole thing, like just went to town on everything I owned. Destruction was insane. I thought someone must have come in and actually ripped them out. It was so thorough. Then I realized there were holes in the the dirt, just like they do in the parks. And I went and checked online and said, hey, maybe try getting a mechanical owl, like little stuff you've mentioned before. And they said, oh, use bird tape holographic tape. So I've been doing a little experiment doing a holographic tape. Holographic tape does nothing, nothing at all. I have pictures of four or five Corellas sitting right next to the tape, staring in mesmerization at the holographic tape going, this is the best. There was Maybe I, that's I, the trick. Know? Maybe they're so busy looking at it, just going, oh my God, are you, can you see this? These are holograms. <laughs> look, look, oh if, you close it, if you squint hard enough, you can see a dolphin. It's amazing. This is why you see Corellas hanging around looking at the Windows 98 box. <laughs> But the, I put in the, I put in some um, barbecue skewers, so you, the wooden skewers. You can put, so put in those. Oh, that'll stop the Corellas. Yeah, they won't go. They, any, no, they, they won't actually, go anywhere with a barbecue skewer. They, they, they do hate them. But it, the, but it was to make sure they couldn't jump onto the and, and get purchased. They couldn't leap onto the box, and so they get spiked. And that kind of worked. But the animal that didn't care about those, they came back one day, heard a weird noise, went outside and had a look, and there was a kookaburra, which I never get kookaburra. So I managed to attract a kookaburra, and it was grabbing the skewers and trying to rip the skewers out. It didn't care about the plans. It was like, this barbecue <laughs> skewer has to go. It was like yanking it from the bottom. So uh, I don't know. The, it's, none of this seems to work. Uh, the, the people with upstairs, the Corellas. <laughs> yeah, that's right. People upstairs have put some sort of mechanical owl that glows and, and goes hoot, and that seems to be working. So I, I hopefully we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, it's all the stuff I think people go, we think it works, but I always wonder how much experimentation has been done to see if it actually works. The trick is to plant the Corellas. Human beings. I am one of them. We are very good facsimiles thereof, at the very least. We like to come out in the day. We are daytime creatures. Yep. Yep. Mainly. So we so we are what's called diurnal. We like to come out in the day. And we, we go to sleep at night. Yep. And then nothing you get happens things. at night. It's boring. Ah, boring. It's boring. It's nothing boring. happens at can't night. Can't see shit. Yeah, that's right. Can't can't see predators. That's always my big one for me. I go out at night like predators, always predators, lots of predators. Yeah, nice. No, stay in the cave. Actually, Get some barbecue skewers. That's right. Suddenly, kookaburras! Kookaburras everywhere! They're laughing at me. Anyway, if you're a nighttime creature, you're called nocturnal. So animals are normally nocturnal 
or they are diurnal. There are another sort. There's crepuscular, but crepuscular, which means they come out at twilight, but I hate them because pick one for God's sakes. Like, don't just, don't pretend that you're some sort of, ooh, I come out at twilight. I'm really interesting. Now, shut up. You're, pick, just stop being an idiot. But twilight's the coolest time. Is it? Yeah, it's like trendy. Go out, have a little bit of a drink, have uh, a dance. You're... And then get home before it's too night. Oh, God, are you crepuscular, Dan? Jeez, I knew. Oh, Oh, I wish I was crepuscular. (laughs) Nah, I'm a diurnal chump. (laughs) And there is another one, which means they come out in the day and the night as well. Cathermal. Uh, So they don't give a shit. They just come out any old time, day and night, but probably not at twilight. Maybe they they come out any time they like. Cathermals just do their own thing. They're they're the ones I want to be. They're like the super cool ones. You don't know where they're going to come. They're zigging and zagging. Anyway, the point of this is, I'm getting very off topic here. Mammals are mainly diurnal nowadays. There are, of course, nocturnal mammals, and there are crepuscular mammals as well, bastards. Bats, mice, other mice, desert mice, all sorts of mice. All sorts of mice. But did we evolve to be nocturnal or diurnal? Which do you think? Diurnal, because that's diurnal, what we yeah. are now. That's we what we didn't think. Get, we what... didn't get altered to become diurnal. Well, what, what are you, yeah, what are you just... asking? What question are you asking? How <laughs> well, do you think we got here? We evolved to be here. Well, technically in primates, we are, we are a bit different. The, the point of this is fish, reptiles, and birds that hunt in the day have a part of their retina called the fovea, and it sharpens their vision in well-lit conditions by having lots of light receptors all kind of packed together. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is very few mammals have a fovea, very few of them. So most mammals have dominated the world, even though it seems like they did not evolve to be daytime creatures. The disadvantage of not having eyes set up for daytime compared to other animals is not so great as to overcome the other advantages, such as, I'm assuming, having lots of babies, being very high-powered predators, all this sort of stuff. So it's actually a, a problem to have these eyes. What's weird is that some primates have a phobia. We're one of them. So a phobia is for seeing in the, in the dark? In the day. In, no, seeing in the day. It's, it's, for, oh, it's right. for sharpening your vision in well-lit conditions. Oh, I see. So, so you and I have a fovea. Yeah. Some other primates do. No other mammals do. So what are they doing? Running around bumping into shit. That's right. And we're trying to work out, well, that means it seems to be that mammals, back when, when dinosaurs ruled the world, then mammals hid in the dark. They just were, they were nocturnal creatures. They were the small, wet, crunchy noise that dinosaurs made at the end of a mammal's life, basically. That was, you know, lunchtime. It's like, eat a mammal. Now, they got kind of big, badger-sized-ish, but not much bigger than that, we think. We haven't found anyone bigger than that anyway. But they seem to be nocturnal. Within about 10 million years after the end of the dinosaurs, then some mammals started to come out in the daytime. And that's sort of what uh, Professor Kate Jones of University of College London has worked out. So in the Nature, Ecology, and Evolution journal has basically categorized all these mammals that exist today and, and where they came from. And it's between 59 to 74% chance that we had a common ancestor that was nocturnal, that had these eyes. So that's a big range I'd like to point out, but still, it's not too bad. So it seems that we came from nocturnal creatures. Most mammals didn't have the eyesight for diurnality for daytime, but primates do, or some primates do. It's a bit weird. Humans have done well because we can see well in the daytime, but our mammal, mammalian ancestors seem to be not to be 
daytime creatures and most mammals aren't daytime creatures today even though they live in the day okay so being able to escape at night time seems to be more important to a lot of mammals than being able to see effectively in the daytime yeah this is one of those points you have to point out evolution wasn't building towards something it wasn't a plan so they can see well enough in the day but more importantly they can survive at night and maybe you're right there maybe it's the fact they could survive at night is more important than than seeing in the day to the best of the ability if you could design in inverted commas an eye they can see well enough yeah, because the thing is, if you're like a squirrel and you can see really well, you, you've got your acorn, you're like, oh, look at the little tiny grains in here. Like, look at how, look at the amazing th- patterns on this thing. And then, boom, eaten by a eagle. That's right. The last of the dinosaurs you're just, going, just we're like, not all dead. There's another fuzzy food thing. Bury it quick. On, on we go. Yep. Don't see a lot of there squirrels watching like the telly or like get stuck in front of those magic eye posters or looking at holograms. <laughs> Watching Netflix. Netflix. No, they watch, they watch Netflix. Oh. Yay. <laughs> that's not a strong enough joke to go out on. That's what, we're, that's what we're stuck with, though. Pimp my time. Dan JJJ Beeston, we, why we, there's not multiple, me and my personalities push you into the time box. Oh, goody. I slam the door behind you with a clang and rotate it because I think of it kind of like a submarine door and I punch in the numbers where you're going and it takes one hour of buzzing and whirring and clicking for the time machine to activate. You're nude because it's funny and you have one hour to... (laughs) You have one hour to work out how you're going to survive in 1347 London, United Kingdom in a little segment we like to call Pimp My Time. I don't like getting head colds. You know this. No one likes getting head colds. You are not a good man when it comes to illness. I am fastidious about hygiene and not getting head colds and not spreading my head colds. That's right. You will not let okay. me kiss you when I have a co- when I have a cold. That is one of the reasons. <laughs> I am always very careful to prevent my virus from spreading, and selfish jerks who go out with a sickness make my blood boil. Mm. Now, admittedly, being sick these days isn't quite so bad now that we have iPads and Netflix. <laughs> like that's all right. It's basically a holiday for me now. It's like I can just lie yes. in bed and watch stuff on my iPad. You have sent me to London, thirteen forty-seven. The centre of world culture, probably, at that point. Pretty close, anyway. There are no iPads. Uh. There is no Netflix. Are you going to invent Netflix in 1347? And the Black Death was one of the most devastating pandemics in human history, resulting in the deaths of an estimated 75 to 200 million people in Eurasia and peaking in Europe from... What do we have here? 1347... To 1351. (laughs) Good times. Good times. Good times. Okay. So the plague, the Black Death. Yes. Existed in fleas that live on Chinese marmots and also on rats. Right. So the rats stowed away on the ships along the Silk Road. I mean, there weren't ships on the Silk Road. I mean, it was a metaphorical (laughs) road, but... Yes. 
Yes, yeah. we were, there was a yeah. lot of trade from ships of the desert. China. They had camels, maybe camels, maybe. No, there's sure. carts. Uh, but anyway, they get, from China to Europe, there was travel. And well, yeah, London's not part of Europe anymore. They just had Brexit. They don't like that anymore. They're not into that. So good, yeah. good call. Well, maybe they're the ones who sent the rats. Probably not because they sent them through themselves. We got, we're getting political now. All Hooray. right. <laughs> so the rats stowed away on the ships and they entered Sicily in October of 1347. I'll be nice and say you turned up on January 1st. You got tons of time. Oh, that's very kind of you. Very kind. No problem. Okay, those infected in Sicily had glands in their groin and armpits grow to the size of eggs and their skin turned black and there was acute fever and vomiting. Oh, that's not cute. Of blood. That's, oh, no. No, 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 (laughs) no. That's not cute at all. Not cute at all. No. Okay, the current thinking. Netflix and kill? (sighs) Oh, oh. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so here's the problem. Come back to my house for Netflix and kill. The current thing is, all right, all right. Oh, he's Sorry, he's just, really amused himself, listeners. I just like that. I just I just pictured you walking through London, going, "Oh, excuse me, Miss, would you like to come back to my house no, for Netflix no, that's, and that's, kill?" That's the exact thing. I don't want anyone else around me. Okay, like, I don't want to share any diseases. <laughs> Inviting ladies back to my home is the first way you get a disease. <laughs> okay, so the current... How you got married, I'll never know, by the way, but anyway. The current thing... Bringing the... a lady back to my home is the first place to get diseases. The frog princess must be so proud. <laughs> Uh, I'm a mammal. There are very few things that go back and forth between amphibians and mammals. So, <laughs> Okay. The current thinking is that a conjunction of three planets in 1345 caused <laughs> a great pestilence in the air. Okay. Good. Science. Uh, okay. So, actually, what's happening is this. A flea bites the rat and becomes infected. The infection replicates inside the flea and obstructs the mid-gut of the flea. The flea starves, becomes frantic, so bites more and more rats trying to eat. It also tries to vomit up the obstruction, which it does so onto every rat that it bites. Oh, my goodness. Some rats are immune and so continue to spread the disease. When the fleas encounter a human, they bite that creature too, spreading the disease. Boom, egg-shaped glands, fever, vomit, blood. Yes. Death. Death, yes, yeah. Quite a lot of death. Quick death, too. It's, not, it's days, isn't it? It's fast. It's pretty quick, and yeah. it, it affects half the people who are brought down by so it. So if you, are you get it, are you dead? Is it like, yep, you're gone? Or is it like, you will either it, die or a, you'll get it? You, you can get better. You've got like a 50-50 right. chance of getting better. Wow. Which is terrible. Those are bad odds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I didn't realize it. Wow, that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. God, it's scary. Oh, oh now he realizes. <laughs> now he re- but now now that he sent me back there now I have to deal with it. <laughs> hey, it's present Dan interjecting again. Just to confirm, the mortality rate for the pneumonic death was actually closer to ninety to ninety five percent. Okay, okay. So get rid of the fleas. Get rid of the disease. Right. Yes. Okay. Easy. Best thing, way to get rid of fleas: DEET. DEET. DEET mosquito spray. 
Oh, right, okay, I see, right. Yeah, diethyltoluamide was developed for jungle warfare in World War II. Okay. And it's super easy. I'll just convert some methyl benzoic acid to the corresponding acyl chloride and allow it to react with dithylamine. Oh, done. Done. Pimp, time pimped. <laughs> Can you do any of this? No, no, no. No fucking idea how to do any of that. No idea. You can barely say it, let alone do it. Oh, how dare you? I put it in phonetically into my phone so I wouldn't stumble. <laughs> You know what does keep fleas away and is easy to make? A cat. No, wait, a, a, a spider. Peppermint. No, uh, pepper, right, yes, that was my third one. Peppermint It's a, is a deterrent to fleas. And it's not just like a holistic, dodgy, don't yeah, buy dick one. There are dodgy pl- to me. Because yeah, it does sound dodgy, and that's why I went on Google Scholar and had a look, and there are heaps and heaps and heaps of research into how powerful peppermint is at keeping away fleas. Not as good as DEET, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but again, the methyl benzoic acid acid. So hang on, does that mean? That means because they talk about they talk about the, like the Sandman coming and sprinkling sand in your eyes, and he's like a man in, with in, with peppermint clothes. So you're trying to imply that basically the Sandman was protecting us all from the bubonic plague? That sounds like him. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, it sounds good guy. Good guy. Yeah, that's right. Well Bring done. Your dream. That dream right. is not vomiting blood. <laughs> that's a hell of a dream. I had a dream of not dying from egg-shaped buboes on my crotch. A lot of people will tell you that uh, if you plant mint under your doghouse, the dog doesn't get fleas. Now, peppermint... Mm. I am suspicious of this. Oh, are you? Well, you know what? I... You take it up with Google Scholar, because Google Scholar says peppermint keeps away fleas. And if oh, it I'm doesn't, good, I got, I stand... I'm fucked. <laughs> and you have to come back and rescue me or something. I don't know. That's like, I don't think that works. Unless, unless the only way you can do that is send me back in time six months before I sent you back in time to rescue you. That'd be really boring pimp my time if you sent me six months. Like, I'll send you to 1346 yeah. London to rescue me, you son of a bitch. 1346 and a half. <laughs> Okay, now peppermint was first described in the 1700s. Right. So, uh-oh, uh, uh-oh 350 years after I... Yes. Uh, all right. Uh-oh. Okay, but it grows naturally in England, and I can, sp- I can spot peppermint. If I know anything, yep. the smell of anything, it's peppermint. But, yes, yeah, true. Okay, so I build a shack and I start a farm farming peppermint. I've got <laughs> basically one year, or now it's January, so a year and a half until the yes. plague hits England, and I want to make sure my farm is surrounded by mint and that fleas have no reason to stay anywhere nearby. Right. Okay, how do fleas get there? Rats. Rats, So yeah. I also set up a bunch of mouse traps. Now, mouse traps are not invented. I guess I'll just build a better one. Oh, yeah. very good. That's very good. They don't, they don't exist then. They didn't have mouse traps or rat traps back then. Well, not the ones with the spring that goes snap. Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not going to make one of them. Because I oh, found this amazing design online of yes. how to make a better mousetrap. What you do is you get a bucket and you put an axle across the top of the bucket. Yep. Now, on that axle, you put a, a cylinder of some sort and then you cover yep. the cylinder in delicious, sticky food. Right. Okay. Like honey or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And so okay. then you have a ramp that goes up to the top of the bucket and then you fill the bottom of the bucket with water. The rats climb oh. up the ramp, they jump onto the yeah. cylinder, the whole thing spins around and they fall into the water and the bastards drown, taking oh. their fleas with them. I see. Yeah, I guess. I get, what, what could kill, like, because petrol doesn't exist or anything like that. So I guess an oil, you could put oil in there just to trap the fleas so the fleas don't jump away or something weird like that. Or Oh, they, they can jump, can't they? But they can't. Yes. But, it, but they, they, if they've got no host, 
basically I just want to get rid of the the rats in my home. So I stick the yeah. mice. Yeah, I see what you say. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I see. You you have these around on your farm, basically, to trap the rats. You have to pay someone to go empty those buckets for you, of course, of oh, all the rat corpses. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. Ooh. <laughs> Fire. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so a year later, I'm safe in the country. I'm growing peppermint, and the plague yep. makes its way to London via Yay. France. Yes. Frog princess, Frog we're looking princess. at you. Okay, I've got the opportunity to get on top of this thing. The disease comes over from France. I can spread my information and prevent the most deadly catastrophe in human history. Prevention is always better than cure. Very true. But it's not necessarily as lucrative. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm going to make some ethanol. Now, this is one chemical I do know how to make. Okay. Okay, because I brew my own beer. Explains your life so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my thought processes. <laughs> so I make my own beer. And they, and they made beer back then. You could, get, yeah. you could get a brewer back then to make yeah. beer. Yep. yep. Now, I don't want to make beer. I want to make hopless beer. So you just put kilo of sugar for our US listeners. That's uh, 560 Avidupois drams. Um, <laughs> you get some yeast. You mix it up gonna, in some water. Can I just point out that they're probably our biggest listener base and we're going to shed them like fleas on a rack. Hey, Bless. hey, hey, hey. An avoirdupois dram is an American unit of measurement. Well done. You know well what? done. Yeah. I, I assume they know what that is. Okay, you mix all this up with some water, leave it for two weeks, and you have mm-hmm. got a wart, like a very crappy wart with, that doesn't mm. taste of anything. Okay, then you distill it. What you do is you evaporate that mixture through, through some sort of pipe, cool it down, yes. and that's ethanol. Yeah, okay. okay. Drips out the end and it's Drips ethanol. Drips out the end, that's ethanol. Right. Okay, try the same thing with peppermint leaves. Mash them up, release the natural oils, gently warm them Ooh. so they vaporise, cool them, and you've got yourself peppermint oil. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mix them together, and do you know what you've got? Uh, a delightful mouth spray. You've got Dan J.J. Beeston's Plague Begone. Are you concerned about that blasted French miasma? The past four <laughs> years have had your neighbours collapsing in a bloated, blood-soaked mess. But we've got the answer. Dan J.J.J. Beeston's Plague Begone is a secret recipe that will keep the cursed air from your house. Seal up the holes in your house, dip a rag in the oil, and put it anywhere the miasma can come in. Keeps away the black death and keeps away biting fleas and rats that miasma can cling to. Can you afford to go without Dan J.J.J. Beeston's Plague Begone? Ask for it by name. <laughs> that went a very different... That's fantastic. That's amazing, by the way. That went a very different direction I thought it was going to go. The moment you started mentioning ethanol, I honestly thought you were going to burn London to the ground. <laughs> oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of... I mean, Dan J.J. Beeston's Plague Begone is quite flammable, so <laughs> let's not rule it out as an option. But you know what the best thing about this is? You get to live and not die vomiting blood. No, no, even better than that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You see, the thing is, it only really takes me two years to make this stuff. Yes. But I'm going to leave it four years until 1351 because the Black Death starts to die out by itself in 1951. It gets over its hump and ends up dying out. So everyone will think that my thing worked and I can take full credit. 
So you're going to protect yourself for a couple of years just quietly living on your peppermint farm, making all this material. Hopefully you don't blow up, and then you're going to take you're going to claim that you got rid of the Black Death. Yep. <laughs> By selling off my miracle snake oil. <laughs> but it's not it works though. It's real. It's not snake oil. It oh works. yeah, it probably works. But yeah, as <laughs> as as you said, there, there is something that sounds a bit new agey about peppermint keeping fleas away. So I yep. reckon that I'll just uh, keep myself safe and just wait until it dies off naturally by itself and then take credit. Right. That's, that's amazing. I am, uh, once again, I'm in awe of what you do. Very good. Thank you very much, Dan. <laughs> and that's how you pimp your time, ladies and gentlemen. None of this human emotion rubbish. Get a quick buck. Save a few people. You're fine. Then you can talk to all the ladies about diseases he wants to in the future and be ready. All right. Now I have to, it's some way... Send you back in time. I'll just use this convenient time machine. <laughs> I am sending you to a place that was recommended to us by a listener. Ooh. A listener by the name of Arnim Summer. Oh, Arnim. Hello, Arnim. Thank and you very much. They want to send you back to Chu, C H U, in yes. 250 BC. Well, I have no idea where that is or anything about that, so I'm sure I'll do just fine. Yeah, you will. This is the Walk of Shame, where the audience Woo! calls out the mistakes that we make. We make enough. We make enough. What have you got for me, Greg? <laughs> Nothing again. No one sends me anything. Uh, you're, not, <laughs> you're, not, you're not speaking enough or, or people are on your side or something. I don't know what's going on. I don't like it. Maybe that, maybe it's pity from all these stories about feathered dinosaurs that keep coming up. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! If you ever want, if you if you ever want an email blast about a particular topic, just go onto a podcast and say that you hate this subject, and people will go out of their way to fill your <laughs> inbox with so yep. many stories about adorable <laughs> fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> okay, Michael Barnes, our old friend Michael nice. Barnes. Yes, heard you show, say, heard you say that human meat isn't white. Well, yeah, it's it's not, is it? He pointed out a thing that uh, cannibals used to refer to human as long pork. Yes. Now they did so because it tasted like pork. Yes. White meat is stuff like fish and poultry. Mm -hmm. So white meat is made up of fast twitch muscle fibers, while red or dark meat is made up of muscles with fibers that are slow twitch. So mm. fast twitch is really good for things that have to run away really quickly. Yep, prey. And like prey. And yep. slow twitch is good for something that needs more stamina, like things that are trying to catch up to the prey. Right. <laughs> oh, and, and or maybe very large things like cow. I mean, let's say it's a cow um, buffalo. Yeah, they're, they're like, well, I'm huge. Piss off. You know, yeah, fair enough. So that's the end of that. Yeah. Unless you're a lion or a lot of lions. Now, pork was marketed as the other white meat. Yes. Okay, and it is a white meat in the traditional oh. gastronomic context. But scientifically, it's a red meat because its myoglobin level is higher than 65% and it's got these slow-twitch fibres. Vindication so, for Greg! So all livestock is red meat. Yes, Greg was right. Not a walk of shame. Uh, so, yeah, not a walk of shame at all. Oh, so you're just bringing up. So hang on. So wait, I thought there was going to be. A, there's no shoe. Wait, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. No nah. shoe dropping. No, nah. Michael oh, Barnes I... was wrong, but it, only in a only in a scientific way. Uh, yes. He was correct in a gastronomic way in that you could but... consider humans to be white meat. 
or long yes. talk. I don't want to. I don't want to crap on a listener, but oh no, uh, let's have a crack because he has <laughs> crapped on us a we lot. We don't say you're gastronomically correct. The best kind no, of correct. No, gastronomically correct is not the best kind of correct. No, no, it's technically correct. Technically which correct. I was, in... Which I think I was, and I and I would agree. Thank you. So I'm now going to say to the long-term listener and, and great supporter of the show, sucks to you, Michael Barnes. Hmm. Or Man, we got rid of... maybe yes? he was just calling you a chicken. Oh, them's fighting words. <laughs> That's yellow meat. <laughs> if you hear us make a mistake, if you hear Greg make a mistake, send an email to dan at smartenough.org. And, and please, please, when Dan, he must be, it's like that man opens his mouth and errors just fly out of it. So come on and get, get in contact with Greg at smartenough.org and tell me all about them. Michael, Michael, you can make this up to me. Make sure that you find Dan's horrible mistakes. <laughs> I just think we're going to lose all our American listeners and all our Michael Barnes listeners. This is not good. We're really not doing well here. Are you saying that there isn't just one Michael Barnes, that a great percentage of our listenership is made up of a bunch of people who just happen to be called Michael Barnes, and that's why he, <laughs> why statistically it's more likely to get an email from Michael Barnes? That's right. I think so. It's just one of those weird quirks of, of our podcast listenership. <laughs> it's the podcast of Michael Barnes. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. Follow us on Twitter, SE2KB. Facebook, we've got lots of cool stories on there, and we've got a secret project that's coming up very soon. It's going to be pretty cool, something you can get involved with. It's pretty amazing. You can go to the website, smartenough.org, and you can follow us on iTunes or Stitcher or just a normal RSS thing. You can write stuff on our comments section. You can go through the archives and listen to us all over again. Tell some friends about us. Talk to us on Twitter. Always happy to write back on Twitter to people, even if you don't like us mocking your archaic imperial systems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just contact us on Twitter about anything, really. I mean, we're pretty... Nothing else to do. I need a distraction from work. So chatting to a listener, (laughs) I'm all all about. I had a fun experience recently. I went to see Welcome to Night Vale, the live show, when it came here to Perth. And I was standing there, and there was a lady in front of me, and she was looking at a poster, and it was the um, No Such Thing as a Fish poster. That's coming to Perth as well. Ah, yes. and so I might go to see that. And I looked over and realized it was one of our listeners, Alana, who we've met. She came and met <laughs> us with the shirt. And, and I looked over and went, you know, hello. And she went, oh, I was just looking at the, at the smart enough, uh, sorry, the no such thing as a fish. And I was actually thinking about your podcast. And there you are. It's really weird. I was like, ah, oh, yes, say the name of the devil and he shall arrive. So it was sort of a, a confluence of podcasts all coming together in her life. Beetle Greg, exciting. Beetle Greg, Beetle Greg. Say <laughs> so, hello to Alana, and, and I'm glad we met up with you. It was very nice to meet you again. <laughs> and as you, as we always like to, what do we sound, oh God? As we always <laughs> like to say, Netflix. Oh, you, you should not have gone back to that well. Welcome to episode 136 of Smart Enough to Know Better. It's a podcast hey, of what. Oh, Science. Oh, oh. It's a podcast of comedy. God damn it. What? It's goddamn lag. Normally you let me do the thing. Yeah, but, they, but then, then it goes in the wrong order. And I was like, no, I just want to get as much of my voice on here as possible. <laughs> All right. I'll leave a pause. All right. Welcome to episode 136 of Smart Enough to Know Better. Guess what? We're a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. What? Uh, Okay. You know what? We're going to go back to the beginning.
Welcome to episode 100. I yep. reckon that I'll just uh, keep myself safe and just wait until it dies off naturally by itself and then take credit. I think I've done a really good job here. And I'm like, how do I end it? And I'm like, oh, wait, I just don't save anyone. And then I, <laughs> oh, my God, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Like, this is monstrous. I could have stopped this. My goal is to provide something that stops this, but only yeah. after it's useful. <laughs> well, it's still helpful. You're just not changing the course of history that much, except plugging yourself into it. You're writing yourself into the narrative. Yeah. They they would have died anyway. They're technically already dead, but, you know, you, yeah. Yeah, it's all right. yeah every, everyone around you was already dead when you're a time traveller. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that flat earthers are a real thing. I don't think anyone really believes that. I reckon that the only people saying that are trolls. Oh, okay. I think there are, I think there are trolls. I think I went and found a website a few years ago now, and I found a website. It was almost like an, an intellectual exercise of how do you prove that the earth is round. And, and so people would say, well, this thing or that thing, or horizons or whatever, and people would say, ah, but it could be this, it could be that, and it could be the other. And so it was kind of like a show me your proof. So, yes, those people were just playing an intellectual game. But I think some people – I've watched videos on YouTube, God help me, of people pointing out that the world is flat and here's proof. They're either the most amazing trolls or they believe it. So I'm not sure. All trolls are amazing. <laughs> the secret is not is not to engage. Honestly, that's what I've learned. Okay, for example, I watched a video. Fraser Kane does this like astronomy YouTube stuff. He's talking about space stuff. Someone said that, oh, why don't the satellites have cameras on them like the Tesla car does? And he goes, well, why? why? It's weight. Weight, it costs money. And that means we can't put important scientific experiments on these things. So we don't bother. They go, oh, but it would prove that it was worth its round. And he went, well, who am I proving it to? We know. It, was, it has been proven. But now someone's saying prove it again. You're like, well, here's all the information. Well, that's not good enough. Well, tough. it's tough for you. Scientific community has gone, it's round. We send things to space all the time. And I went, that's a really good point. You don't have to keep proving it to idiots. You don't have to engage with the, an idiot. The people who don't believe it's round are not the people designing your GPS units. And, and they're not going to... But then again, I, I suppose the, the answer to that is, but they're the people who are going to vote for a, a, a leader of a country who is anti-science. In the end, you can't go... How do we? How do you prove that oxygen won't kill you? Like you can't keep going down that path because otherwise your society never moves forward because you've got to constantly keep proving the thing that's behind you. That's not a good hypothesis. I've seen, I've heard of people ex die from too much oxygen. I mean, it was on fire at the time. And honestly, if too much oxygen, you will die. You, if you had 100% oxygen, on, you could you could die from it. I mean, once again, a poison has just got to do with dosage. I mean, enough water can kill you. Yeah, enough beer. Drink too much beer and you could die. And that just doesn't make any sense at all in my world. <laughs> Man, I, cool. Everything in my life has been either cool beans or fudge. I don't know what has happened to me. I've, I haven't been spending enough time around grown-ups. Now, whenever something goes wrong, I'm like, ah, oh, fudge. Like, where did that come from? How many kids have you been hanging out with? I don't know. And I'm certainly not going on record to tell you. <laughs>